Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. scripture today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15 to 20. Deuteronomy 18 15 to 20. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, says Moses, from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, if I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore or ever again see this great fire, I will die. (laughs) Then the Lord replied to me, well, they are right. And what they have said. So I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words of that, that that prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. Ooh. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to church, y'all. Before we get started, I just want to say how much I uh, worshiped today. So thank you, Brittany and crew. It's, It's easy to worship when you're watching people worship. And so I appreciate that very much. And as we've been doing here recently, before I start in on this sermon, would you please Pray for me. Father, as the text demonstrates, there is here a word of both hope and caution. And my best prayer is that I will be adequate enough to say it as you would have it said. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome to the season of Epiphany, the season of Epiphany. We have a little sermon series here that we are working through called Haven't You Heard? If I were to add another sermon title to this, it would be Haven't You Heard That God Is Still Speaking? And if you can't hear this guy still speaking, maybe it's you. It's kind of a long title, but I think uh, we can work with it today. Speaking of hearing, I I caught this uh, this week. There was a breakthrough that was reported this week. There were six children who were born deaf who received a particular kind of gene therapy this week, and five of those kids born deaf, and they are right now between the ages of one and seven, five of those kids can hear. Is that, it's remarkable. And, and I'm not going to get this right. There are other better medical minds in the room that you should check with about this. But as far as I can tell, it looks like that they have, they have found a way to develop a virus, a good kind of virus, that is, is going to then carry a particular kind of gene and a protein into the places where this protein is apparently absent for folks who can't hear from birth. And this virus successfully carried that protein, and five of these six kids can hear one of them so remarkably that he's already started to form words. It's amazing, it's amazing. And they're saying, since this worked, there's no telling what we can do with this kind of therapy for people who are born deaf, born deaf. 
hearing, listening and hearing is a major theme in the book of Deuteronomy. Now listen, if you enjoy reading theology books and commentaries on books of the Bible, and who doesn't, right? I highly recommend Dr. Steve Green's book on Deuteronomy. It really helped me this week. And I think what he would say and what I'm going to say to you now is hearing is a big deal in the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, you can hear it clearly enough in these verses, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This sounds familiar, right? Well, here, here's the thing. In the book of Deuteronomy, God says, I have a message for you to hear, and in order to be my people, you must hear, listen to, and be shaped by this message. And so you have the giving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Horeb here in the book of Deuteronomy, Sinai in another book, but it's Mount Horeb here. The people were so messed up by the fiery presence of God that they said, hey, Moses, we don't want to hear that ever again. We don't want to see that ever again, ever again because we're terrified by it, so will you be our intermediary? Will you help us to hear God? And so Moses is still considered today one of the preeminent prophets in all of Scripture. Now, prophets, let's keep in mind what prophets do in the Bible. If you take a prophet to the horse racing track, this prophet is not going to predict the future and help you win money, except that this prophet might say, hey man, you are betting your house payment on horse races and you're gonna, this is gonna end tragically. Make sense? More specifically, what a prophet will do, especially in the book of Deuteronomy, will listen to God, translate for the people a particular message, and here is the message. God extends God's self to you in relationship, in covenant. And here is how you will reach back toward God and remain in this covenant. The prophet Moses told the people, if you'll head this way with God, things will go well. Is that a prediction? Well, it, kind of but not in a way like Moses knows the future. He is essentially saying, if you'll do what God asked you to do, life will be better than if you will not do what God asked you to do. Then things will go tragically. All of the Old Testament prophets did much the same thing. Much the same thing. They weren't predicting so much as they were saying, here's what happens if you wander away from God and the covenant that God has established with the people of God. If you wander away from it, there will be tragic outcomes. If you will stay in step with it, there will be life and peace and hope. This is what prophets do. Where have all the prophets gone? Now Jesus, obviously more than a prophet, did this same thing. Jesus also had a prophetic vibe to him, let's say. Jesus pretty clearly says, if you will walk with this God, this can be the outcome. If you refuse people of God to walk with this God, there's a very different outcome. But that was Jesus. We need some prophets, I would say, today. Where, where have all the prophets gone? <laughs> Now here's the thing, here's a couple of problems with what the question that I've asked. Not very many people should actually desire to be a prophet. From what I can figure, prophets had a short shelf life. Prophets lost the capacity to choose their really good ending. 
Prophets were so given to the assignment, having been called and raised up by God, that they sacrificed everything else. Where have all the prophets gone? Well, it may be that there aren't very many people out there who are willing to pay that price. Maybe, maybe God still speaks, but folks are less keen to listen than in the past. Now, I do think we have seen some prophets. I do think Martin Luther King was a prophet. Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, had a message that was very similar to the messages of the biblical prophets. It went something like this. To be a part of the people of God is to recognize that these people are being marginalized, left out, cast out, and we can't be the people of God and not say something about that. And, and all God's people said, very good. See, Mike, we got lots of ameners around here. It only gets better, too. Watch this. And so, don't let me down. And so, several of us yesterday, it was cold, y'all. And this was the postponed parade. But several of us yesterday went, and we were able to both remember and then participate in the prophetic voice of Martin Luther King. Hey, put it on your calendar, would you? Man, whenever you're within arm's reach of a prophet, you've got to participate. Pull your chair up and participate. It doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often that a, that a prophet can come by and faithfully retell the story, faithfully testify as to the ramifications of this prophecy. And he was completely right. He was completely right. He called the people of God back to the very mission and the very heartbeat of God. Where are the prophets today? Where are they? Where, where are the people who are willing to be called to be prophetic? Now, here, little rule of thumb. If someone stands up and says, I believe I'm a prophet, proof positive, that person is not a prophet. Prophets are reluctant. <laughs> it's a painful calling. Where are the prophets? Maybe we should ask a different question. Maybe the question is, well, does God still speak? I mean, the prophets were a main way that God spoke to God's people and the people around God's people. Well, maybe God's not speaking any longer. I, I don't think that's true. I think God still speaks. So where are the prophets? Is it pastors? Whew, I don't think so. I, I know lots of pastors, and I like some of them. <laughs> the ones, <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to get an amen there. <laughs> the ones I struggle with the most are the ones who feel like they may be prophets. That, that's, it's a strange church culture around here. We kind of press pastors into positions to be CEOs or, or something else, and I, or sometimes prophets, and I don't, I don't think it works very well. So where are the prophets? In our, in our prophets, prophets as a livelihood, as a vocation, is it possible, you know, God was able to arm some people with this gift of prophecy who hadn't gone to school to be prophets? 
One of the most fiery prophets was a guy by the name of Amos. Amos was a shepherd, knew nothing about prophecy, hadn't gone to the good schools. Isaiah went to a pretty good school, prophet school, pretty good school. Amos, nope. In other words, God must have the capacity to empower some people for some moments when he or she might find their prophetic voice. Maybe that's the better question. Maybe the question today is, how might I find my moment to exercise my prophetic voice? It's dangerous. I also think it's necessary because, you guys, prophets don't last forever. I mean, Moses knew that he wasn't going to last forever. So Moses is saying to the people, look, I know that you have seen me play this role for a very long time, but I'm not gonna be here forever, and so God's gonna raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. But listen, you shall heed such a prophet. Goes on to say, verse 16, remember because this is what you requested of the Lord God when you couldn't take the fire and the smoke and the loud voices and the loud noises and all that stuff. You said, hey, if we hear that again, I think we'll die. And God said, yeah, I kind of think they'll die too. Weak. <laughs> they need a prophet. Verse 18. <clears throat> so God says, I will, in fact, raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. I don't think God will ever be without a spokesperson. I, because I don't think God will stop speaking. God intends to speak. God intends for the people of God to hear God speak. Is it possible that sitting here today, there might be somebody who will see a moment arise here in the near future when God may say to you in a moment, time to find your prophetic voice, time to listen, time to stand up, time to speak up. Is it possible? Is it possible? The stakes are pretty high. The stakes are high. Listen to this. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, God says, I will hold that person accountable. Now, if you think it might be you, <clears throat> please take a deep breath and, and wait a minute before opening your mouth. Because what you can't do is say something that God hasn't directed you to speak. Somehow you have to know for sure. Because, and this is rough, I, I'm sorry, this is rough. Any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, what are those other gods? Is it like Marduk? I think it's capitalism. I think it's nationalism. I think it's somehow Christian shrouded racism. Those are the other gods of the day and all those other gods like to have people wearing Christian clothes speaking the message. Before you speak, and, and by the way, we all know that there are a variety of ways that we can speak today. One of the ways that we can speak is by, well, speaking, words, mouth, right? 
other ways that people speak, and you know this, and we're all tired of it, and you're tired of me talking about it, but it's Facebook. Man, folks, think twice before you dare to speak in God's name. Man, think, think twice before you speak in God's name or grant somebody else the belief, your belief, that he or she is speaking in God's name. Man. One of those commandments, if you'll remember, was handed down. Mount Horeb here in Deuteronomy. goes something like this. You shall not take the Lord your God. You shall not take his name in vain. Do not take God's name in vain. And for so long, so many of us said, oh, that means don't say dirty words. Now listen. I'm your pastor. I would just assume you not say dirty words. But that's not what that means. Taking the Lord's name in vain <laughs> is not you saying, uh, once you hit your thumb with the hammer, saying whatever it is that kind of instinctively comes out, that's not taking the Lord's name in vain. Taking the Lord's name in vain is when you say, I believe God judges those people for being that way. It's taking God's name in vain <laughs> when you take your cable news network passage, package, right? When you take it, you take it with you to work and you repeat all of those lines as if somehow those were God's messages, like politically shaped, but God's messages. If you believe, oh, this, I'm gonna meddle now, okay? Seatbelts. If you allow yourself to think this thought, how can you be a Christian and vote for that party? You have taken God's name in vain. Who are you <laughs> to determine who can be Christian and who can't be Christian? Now, have your opinions, but don't mistake your opinions with God's opinions. And when you do mistake your opinions for God's opinions, you have taken the Lord's name in vain. And all God's people said, not bad at all, really. But it does happen all the time, right? This kind of taking the Lord's name in vain, it happens all the time. It's, the, it's exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> the way that each side of the conversation tries to claim God's backing, the way that each side, and hear me, the way that each side takes the Lord's name in vain. When they claim God's support for an idea, an initiative, an initiative when you take God's uh, name as support for your idea, your favorite initiative, when that initiative may have nothing to do with God or the heartbeat of God. And it happens so often, I, I hope we all recognize this, it happens so often that I think our religious institutions are, are taking something of a beating in terms of our reputation. We are a very churched state. We're a very church city in a very church state. If there is a Bible belt, we're the buckle. In fact, we're the center little jewel of the buckle of the, of the Bible belt, right? And so you would think that in a 
state and a city so church that everybody goes to church. Here's what I'm finding. I'm finding that lots of people go to church and lots of people by conviction won't go to church. Won't associate with Christians or Christianity. Saw it kind of up close and personal this week. There were four of us this week that joined this effort. It's called the point in time effort. And so we went in the middle of the night, early, early, early Thursday morning to go try as best we could to count all of the people who were unhoused across the entire city. It's, it's a big effort. It took 24 hours. And this is the big group. I'm happy to, to uh, report that there was a striking Matt Goodwin who was there, uh, another striking Alyssa was there, striking Rudy Rocket, smiling that big at 3.30 in the morning. It's remarkable, <laughs> remarkable. And then my impossibly small head was right back there. And we all went in different groups, in different groups uh, to explore and count and have conversations with the unhoused out there. It was, it was remarkable. Now Matt reported that once they all kind of got in their van and got to know one another, Matt said, well, I'm a pastor at OKC First. And the people's countenance, two of the guys in his group, their countenance changed immediately, and they didn't really have much to do with Matt after that. In my group, <laughs> what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. <clears throat> pastor where? <laughs> By the way, we're, we're thinking that this might be a, a, healthy, a helpful catchphrase for us. We're going to say, OKC First, across from Red Lobster. Because as soon as I say across from Red Lobster, every time it's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know that place. So I say, yeah, we're a pastor of a church across from Red Lobster. Oh, okay, okay. And a woman who was actually instrumental in this entire effort, she wrote the software package to help us to work through the conversations we would have with every unhoused person. She said to me, why do church people call poor people lazy? And then she said to me, <laughs> Aren't the church people that call poor people lazy, lazy? I said, perhaps. Some of those folks, and I and I have heard from some of them, some of them who have left our fellowship, and the, the speech typically goes something like this: it's not you. <laughs> It's not the church. I can appreciate that the church is doing good things. I just will not be associated with Christianity in Oklahoma. Whoa. And some of those people are some of the people who helped us count and talk to folks. Now, say what you will about those folks who have decided to take a firm stance and to draw a line so that they don't have to be associated with Christianity. Say what you will about some of those people that I was with in the van for several hours that night, but they were up in the middle of the night counting poor people. They're not godless pagans. They're not lazy. They believe with their bodies. And perhaps they have a prophetic word for us. Maybe, maybe God can make a prophet out of just about anybody. Maybe God can help people find their prophetic voices even if they don't know what's happening. 
Maybe we should listen to folks who love well enough to get up in the middle of the night to go count poor people, but who have a word of caution and warning for church people. I can say to you that I believe that God can find people and help people to exercise their prophetic voices. I I can say that to you because I believe that God can do that with just about anybody. Anybody. I'm telling you, there is something for us to hear and absorb where we, when we hear this kind of critique. Now, I am not sure that people know you very well. I still think <laughs> that we're one of the best kept secrets in the city, which is why I think across from Red Lobster, might, there might be some merit to it, right? I, I, think, I, think, I think for folks who are looking for a church, people for whom they're only gonna give it one more chance, right? You've heard me say this before, I, I don't mind, I would love to have a t-shirt, Kyle, that said, Last Chance Church of the Nazarene, because I, I believe in you. I believe in the 40 of you that showed up in this class to hear Bonnie talk us through what it might look like to extend ourselves in mission and ministry to folks. I, I, I believe in you. I believe that you perhaps will have a moment soon where God might ask you to find your prophetic voice. I believe that, I believe that about you. I also believe that we need to be prepared to listen to others who may have a prophetic word to say to us as church people that go something like this, I wish church people looked more like God. I wish church people looked more like Jesus. The folks who have left our fellowship or have left church, here's something that they have never said. I'm giving up on Jesus, never once. Never once have I heard somebody say, I'm done with this Jesus character, it just seems too nice. Never once. What they're upset about is the distance between who Jesus is and who the people of the way, Christianity, seem to be. Prophets step into that gap. God calls prophets to step into that gap. Sometimes for a lifetime, Martin Luther King, and sometimes for a moment, you, me, whomever. In the hopes, in the hopes that we could narrow that gap. Lent is coming, we're not there yet. But during Lent, as you know, we say this all the time. During Lent, we look at ourselves, we look at Jesus, and we confess the difference in the hopes of closing the gap. Prophets step into that gap and call the people of God back to God, back to the covenant, back to the mission. I've said this to you before, I think there's a a cumulative effect to the weekly observance of this ritual. And, and, And I became keenly aware of it when we couldn't have communion each week during COVID. It it changed us to not be able to have communion week after week after week. And and now, since we have for so many months now in a year, more than a year, I've been able to get back to having weekly communion, you can start to see again, you can start to feel it. We felt it in staff meeting this week. Okay, we are becoming the bread, taken, blessed, broken, and given. And so we kinda wanna build on that energy 
For the longest time, we have had this spot right here. This is a, a bowl of water, and I, and I say this to you every week, and I'll say it to you again here in a second. Come and dip your fingers in this water and be reminded of your baptism. What makes us, us. When we become the people of a changed identity, of changed responsibility, of people with a particular purpose. Now here's the problem, there's only one bowl and it's really kind of hard to get there. And so there's a second one over there. But the plans are in place to have these bowls all over the sanctuary. <laughs> to give you an opportunity to be shaped by the memory of your baptism, shaped all over again to be the people of God the people shaped by the mission of God to be the people of the mission of God. And perhaps there will be a cumulative effect. Perhaps the people of God, because of the elements, bread, cup, water, will be shaped such that we won't miss those moments when God needs a prophetic voice. Maybe bread and cup and water will prepare you for something this week, this week, when you might be in a position to call the people of God, to step into that gap and call the people of God back to the covenant, to faithfulness, to fidelity. If you were helping us, would you please come set this table? And I do want to encourage you and perhaps warn you that I do think there's a cumulative effect to the receiving of communion. I do think that. I do think once you've had communion week after week after week, there comes a point at which you're capable of something that you weren't capable of before. I, I believe that God is shaping us for these moments because, y'all, I don't think God has stopped speaking. I don't think so. I think God intends to be heard. I think God is still calling prophets, if not for a lifetime, at least for moments. And so God bless these elements, bread and cup. And with them, God, strengthen us to be your people. Strengthen us to be your voice. Strengthen us to see and consider how it is that you might use prophetic voices to call your people back to the covenant. So in a second, all, all of you who are willing, in a second, I will ask you to stand to your feet and exit your pew to your left, your pew to your left, and to come forward with your hands cupped. As you come forward, you will approach someone holding a plate of bread. When you get close enough, someone will take a piece of that bread and press it into your open hands. Open hands are important, by the way. And say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread and then dip it into the cup. Right here, it's Tim who's holding the cup. As you get close enough, Tim will look at you and say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And then you have some decisions to make. Perhaps you'll make your way to one of these bowls to be reminded that you're not just saved and salvaged from some sort of eternity that's distasteful to you, you are actually claimed and shaped to be part of this people with a mission. And then find a place to pray. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing. And over here will be Pastor Ken, and over here will be Pastor Jim, who will come and pray with you.
If you come up front to one of these kneeling benches, we won't assume a thing, but somebody at some point, probably me, will come by and let you know that you are not alone by putting a hand on your head or your back or your shoulder. Or you can circle right back around to your seats, to your pews, and pray. God hears those prayers as well. If you do, here's the prayer, if you let me, that I hope that you'll pray. God, help me to hear. (laughs) Help me to hear you. Help me to listen for you. Help me to hear such that I might not miss that moment when you need me to stand up and speak up. God, help me to hear. Help me to listen. Now, you might say to yourself, I don't think I qualify. I think I disqualified myself this morning when I was trying to get my kids ready for church. (laughs) If you recognize your need for grace, then you are qualified. Doesn't matter what happened. If you recognize your need for grace, that's all it takes. Doesn't matter what you've dragged in here with you today, you are qualified. You're qualified. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. The same way he took the cup and held it up before them and said, this is my blood, the blood of a brand new covenant. And every time you drink of it, including today, remember me. And now all across the sanctuary, all of you who would, Please stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant to nourish and shape the people of God.